0: Vitamin C has evolved. Ultriant Vitamin C is a cutting-edge liposomal liquid food supplement designed for maximized absorption. Discover Ultriant Liposomal Vitamin C and receive 10% discount by quoting HR10 at AbundanceAndHealth.com Hi, this is Steve Roost and you're listening to Health Tech Hour on UK Health Radio. Each week we give you the best news, views and interviews from the health technology world. From CEOs and founders to entrepreneurs and clinicians. The companies and people that are shaping the future face of healthcare. All on the world's number one Talk Health Radio. Hello and welcome to Health Tech Hour on UK Health Radio. My name is Steve Roost and each week we bring you the best news, views and interviews with the leaders, founders and clinicians who are driving the health tech revolution in the UK and beyond. I'm a CEO and founder of a health tech company myself and I'm passionate about the people and companies who are changing the world. Before I introduce today's guest, as always I'd like to remind everyone listening, if you can please follow us on the socials, it's at at Hour. And then please also follow the station, which is at UK Health Health Radio, just to stay on top of all of the great content that's coming up. So today's guest, David Crane, designed and developed the most popular stop smoking app on the market today called Smoke Free with over five million downloads. David had an epiphany while studying for his master's in psychology and decided to focus on behavior change, specifically digital behavior change, which led to a total career change and led to him launching the app. David has written extensively about self-control, self-regulation and behaviour change. He's a leading proponent of using digital technologies to help people develop their self-control. And um, it's a pleasure to have him on the show. So, David, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm
1: very good, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Thanks Thanks for having me here.
0: Good. How is lockdown been for you and for the team? I kind of ask everyone, you know, what's the kind of mood in the camp been like?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we've always, before lockdown, we were working remotely quite a lot of the time anyway. So from a change of, of work practices, we haven't had much to, to adjust to. I think developers quite lo- like a lot of solitude and being left to things <laughs> without annoying people like me, bugging them with questions all the time. Um, and so they've, they've sort of flourished. Like some of the, the other, uh, team, it has allowed us to kind of, we've recruited quite a few people for, the advisors, the stop smoking advice that we provide and it means that we can recruit from all over the country, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other big thing, um, is that there's just been this big move towards uh technology for healthcare. Mm. Um, you know, and uh face to face stop smoking services were obviously put on hold and, and we yeah. were able to start providing a few more services to to local authorities who might otherwise have been a bit more cautious about taking on something new, they were kind of forced into change. And, and so, for those reasons, it's been a, it's been a really interesting year of growth for us.
0: Cool, good. Well, look, I know you've already got over five million people downloaded the app, so we can dig into that in a little bit more. But there, as a, we as we kind of went through before the show, the show's in three parts. The first is um, like an origins—you know, how you got to be doing what you're doing—and the second bit is what you're doing right now that's changing the world and then the third bit where I know you have a lot of opinions is what's sort of coming next and I think that there's definitely some things in there that we can touch on around the use of digital technologies to change behavior you know whether or not healthcare systems should be investing more in digital therapeutics so digital therapy digital treatment Um, and then we can kind of talk around any other issues of the day trying to stay away from our friend COVID but it's a little bit difficult yeah you know, it's a bit of a white elephant so um first of all what where did you start in in your career what was your kind of your your start in the world of work um i mean work
1: wise i was doing all kinds of different things i was in the merchant navy for for four years straight from school okay. um, i mean i left school with one o level because i was mm-hmm. i used to get in a fair bit of trouble at the time and, and and um and never really education at the time wasn't something that I uh I I kind of got on with. So i spent a few years in the merchant navy but always had this love of technology. So even I'm I'm like 57 now. Um and so this was eighty two early days of computers you had to press play on a tape machine to get to the part of the program that you wanted to run. Um and, but I just loved it. I just, something about computers I loved. I used to skip off school and go and play Space Invaders in the, in the local arcade. And yes. I just had that, always that love of technology and that that kind of, from a career perspective, kind of led through to, um, in about 1995, founding a web development agency. Okay. Um, so one of the first in the UK at that time. And then various different years in, in sort of um, starting up different, tech-based companies the debating website um comparisons websites or other various different ideas before i kind of ended up with with the app
0: and at what point what kind of behaviors did you um sort of maintain throughout all of those different changes was there anything that's like consistent around you know some behaviors that you maintained or that you stuck to that kind of with a kind of consistent narrative all the way through those different sort of iterations of, of work?
1: I've always been interested in self-development so I've always I mean you know way back uh, and, and, you know, in primary school I think and I do sort of believe that this is when it started because I was bullied for for fair quite a long time in primary school and my response to being bullied was to think, okay well, what do I what, what can I do differently to stop this how do I prevent this from happening how do I you know and I look to myself um to to make those kinds of changes Uh, and and I guess that kind of I found things that worked I found things that made my life better and that just kick-started this this belief that oh well I can improve my life if I look to make some some adjustments and so I kind of think that all the way through you know and and I believe there's a lot of crossover between sort of web stuff and behavior change because within um, normal web stuff you're trying to get people to do something right even if it's just a brochure website you're trying to get them to call the yeah. per, uh, the company at the end of it so you want the user to feel a certain way you want them to have a certain experience with the website and then you want mm-hmm. them to end up doing something let alone you know the commerce website when you're trying to take people all the way through so i think understanding that um that this is how People, this is what technology needs to do in order to to meet its purpose, and it needs to change behavior. And this is some of the ways in which we can go about changing behavior. Uh, and, and and a and accompany like that with a kind of a, a lifelong grumpy old man approach towards tech, okay. where I'm constantly irritated by things that don't work in the way that I would expect them to or hope them to. Right. And so, just always try to create things that basically didn't annoy me. Okay. Um, So hopefully, you know, they they still do annoy me, if I'm honest with you. There's still things about to change. But that's been the driving force.
0: Yeah. And um, where did the psychology piece come into it? Because I know that you have a PhD in psychology and you you were at the Digital Behaviour Lab in in London for part of that. So how does that get woven into the, the story?
1: So I think the the informal self-development stuff were then led to, to you know one-to-one therapy and group therapy and four-day retreats and fasts and all this other stuff mm-hmm. um I wanted to formalize that it felt like because I've been interested in 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 this kind of behavior change for a long time but I sort of felt like I needed a bit more experience under my belt I felt like a number of ways in which I felt differently over the course of my life made me realize that you know there's probably no point that you get to when you think oh, yeah, I've got everything sorted now. It's just the constant iteration. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, But I felt like I knew if I was going to recommend things to other people, I should have probably have a bit more life experience on my belt. So I kind of mm. forgot psychology, went on, did all the tech stuff. And then around um, the London Olympics, when I was just thinking in 2012, I was thinking, oh, I wanted a career change? and I got inspired by um, the sports psychologists at the London yep. Olympics. And I kind of saw... I imagined, I should say, the role that they would be having on the individual athletes, because you could imagine the pressure that they're under. Right? They know how to do. They know how to, um, you know, to, to run around a track or to get over a high jump or do these other things. But suddenly, when the eyes of the world are on top of you, and do, yeah. how does that affect your performance? I think that's yeah, you know, the expectations.
0: A real,
1: yeah, and as a long-suffering Arsenal fan, oh wow, very aware of a team that needed some psychological help at the time. I yeah. think probably still does. Have you, have, you, have, vo- have, of, you, have
0: you volunteered yourself to help? Have you been down uh, there? Well, I, no, I haven't because I, I sort of feel I
1: didn't end up doing sports psychology and they
0: okay. and do
1: need some specialists.
0: <laughs> um,
1: yeah, so, yeah, any, I, I kind of thought well, I wanted to be a sports psychologist and, um, and then ended up trying to do a Masters in sports psychology, but um, they wouldn't let me in because I didn't have any base in psychology so i said oh listen go and spend you have to go and do a conversion course and i was like this is 48 years old so i was was pretty annoyed at having to spend another year of my life and six thousand pounds doing a master's that would only lead me to kind of get into the end point but i thought all right i'll do it i've got a vision um but luckily i mean this is just one of the luckiest breaks of my life really because um i'd just given up smoking when we started thinking about thesis subjects Mm. Um, And the idea came to me to create a no-smoking app because when I was trying to give up smoking, I couldn't see any that I thought adopted the approach to change that I had found helpful in all the different change that I'd done. Okay. And what, And what,
0: what was that approach?
1: Well, one of the big things, I think, is about seeing a sense of progress. Mm-hmm. So when when you're making change that requires continual effort, which almost all long-term change does—smoking, exercise, diet—you know we can start these things optimistic about the outcomes and, and and believing that you know these wonderful things are going to happen to us. But we've got to we've got to keep making effort to deny ourselves the things that used to bring us pleasure, the, the rewards that we used to give us, the ways that we used to manage our life. <clears throat> So we need to kind of constantly um, put, resist temptation to the old behaviour and then move okay. towards the new behaviour, and that that process I think is made easier if you can feel like you're making progress. If you can right. feel that today is better than yesterday, and is that fortunate.
0: is that the same as positive reinforcement? Is that the same thing? It, it, it it's might... an element
1: of positive, of positive <laughs> reinforcement. Yeah, it's kind of it's part of um, a control theory um, theory of behaviour which argues that. Um, behavior is goal driven okay. and that uh, we use um, self-monitoring to work out where we are in relation to a goal feedback to work out whether we're moving closer or further away from the goal and then we put action plans in place to kind of shorten the distance between where sure. we are and the goal so feedback progress is really feedback progress is, yeah. is is a feedback mechanism that says this is how well you you have done so far and, and within mm-hmm. the app we show progress time smoke free and the progress the money saved and the cigarettes not smoked and we show how health is improving and we show how um we give badges for time progress and we try to kind of constantly reinforce this sense that, that it's that the effort is worth continuing to make um yeah. and that's one of the things that we get a lot in the feedback um, people leave is they talk about the progress they talk about how important that is as a concept or the individual parts of it the time or the money or whatever
0: okay and what what was what was the motivation for you to do the smoking app as part of your thesis was it literally just a moment of sort of clarity where you said oh well I just gave up smoking and that was quite hard and I mean was it that simple or was there anything else to it
1: no there was a couple other things so um um so one of the theories of behaviour that, that, that I studied at, at University of College London, which is the Combi model, which is that behaviour is uh, the B in behaviour uh, in the Combi model, is affected by capability, opportunity and motivation. Yeah. Um, and so um, I had the capability to create this app because I sort of developed the tech skills and the understanding of behaviour change. But the opportunity part came because I was lucky enough to have a very good friend of mine who had an app development company so, um, he's, he had developers and they weren't fully employed at the time. So he said, yeah, listen, I'll just, you know, I'll ask my devs to, to, to do a bit of the work. So it was kind of this, um, it's this, just very fortuitous combination of, of events that, um, that, yeah, that led to the, the, the opportunity to, to build the app and get it out there because it originally started as just a pure research project. It wasn't meant to be a business. It was, you know, it was, can I, can we um, test whether this stops making plan I'd created was more effective than just the basic features of the app? So the yeah. basic features of the app, what what the other stop smoking apps provide, and I was saying here, I've got this idea for a stops making plan based on my theories of behaviour change. Um, let's test that um, and, and see whether it's effective. And, and so, so that was my master's you, project.
0: So you built a kind of a very basic, almost copy of the existing apps that were out there, but then there was a different option within your app that was your plan. Is that right? Yeah, although, although we don't like to use the word "copy," Steve. Uh, no, well, you know, is the no, uh, we're
1: inspired uh, by. <laughs> yeah, inspired by. Now, I mean, look when when you're none I of that. Stuff any, can... Sorry, go on. Yeah, I was going to say any any reasonable you know um, entrepreneur will look to see what people want from the existing apps that are out there they'll look to see okay what are the features that that people are using it's you know it's obviously what we did but then i think the thing that's that's key and the thing that makes difference is we said okay well okay yeah people are showing time smoke free they know they're showing that but it's not obvious it's kind of one of the things that they show Mm. and what what we did did was say okay well, we're putting it front and center we think this is the most important thing more than anything else we think that what people want when they open the app, is to see that figure, time smoke free, and to see that that figure has gone up, and to, and to have a sense of, if I go back to smoking, I lose that progress. Yeah, so it's it's sort of like,
0: yeah, you you can always you can log in, and it's always going to be more than the last time you logged in. Yes. Sort of, right. Exactly. So that's always a positive thing, in effect.
1: Exactly, and then, and it creates that sense of reward, which then obviously encourages repeat behaviour.
0: So, what was the at the time when you came when you worked when you came up with this when you came up with the app? What was the general market like for quitting smoking? Not just apps, but generally, what what was what was out there? What was the kind of competition, to, to, for want of a better word?
1: So, there are two things that you need when stopping smoking, um, or that there are two things that make quitting easier. One is medication, such as nicotine replacement therapy, Champix. Um, and increasingly e-cigarettes so these are the kind of replacement these these help you manage cravings to cruise withdrawal symptoms Um, and those kind of pretty well established obviously vapes are um, an emerging thing but that kind of area of the market was 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 pretty well established we know nrt works no Champix works and we've got pretty good evidence that vapes work
0: um, the other side. Sorry when, it, sorry, when you say work, you mean help people to quit. Is that what you mean by yes, work? Okay.
1: That's what I mean. Yes, I mean help people to quit. Okay. Um,
0: and,
1: um, and then the other aspect is behavioral support. So, um, you know, fundamentally what we're trying to do, get people to do is to change habits. We're trying to un, you know, extinguish reward patterns that have been trod deeply over decades often. Um, and and get people to form new kind of reward mechanisms and and replacement activities. this is a, this is a skill. You know, we're not born with this skill. This is a, every single person in the world has to learn this skill because it actually goes against what our core evolutionary behaviour, which is to grab this stuff. So, um, behavioural support teaches these habit changing skills fundamentally. It helps people um, get through their quit. It does a whole load of things, but behavioural support. Until very recently, has only been delivered face to face or sometimes over the telephone.
0: Like I've never smoked, but um, never been addicted to smoking. I am probably, you know, I would, I'd, I'd confess that I've got a bit of a coffee problem. I decided over the last, I decided yesterday, I go through periodic, I go through a period where I, I'll, I'll drink an ever increasing amount of coffee to the point where I just, I need to quit. And then, so I did that yesterday morning. So I'm still suffering kind of like the withdrawal symptoms of that. But in terms of when you say face to face, do you actually mean there's a pathway where someone would sit down with an advisor and talk to them about their progress with smoking and how it's going and their feelings about it? And what is that? That was what was happening. That what is happening?
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's a program. So it's a five week program, um, sometimes three months, uh, really tried and tested very very effective okay um smoker goes to a, a clinic has a setup session gets a plan tailored for them gets advised medications talks about difficult situations coming up and how they might handle them and a few other things and then comes in and checks in weekly um for the next four weeks um and you know it get, gets quit rates uh 40 to 45 percent at the one month point you know it's, it's one it's one of the most effective things that you can do uh when you're stopping smoking um and and so but it's very underutilized uh partly because you have to be fairly motivated to want to go to a stop smoking clinic on a weekly basis for yeah. five is weeks it during is it, during
0: is it during like work time and things like that as well or they have
1: some out of hours but you know it's difficult for shift workers um it's difficult for people who've got kids yeah um you know it's obviously been um so i think that um, there's a number of different factors that make that underutilised. The second factor is that actually people don't reach out for support as often as we should. Yeah. And as often, you know, we have this sense that, oh, it's better to do it on our own. It's kind of somehow more... Um, um, the, the achievement is somehow lessened if we feel if we get support, which, which doesn't make any sense. You know, the top athletes in the world have world-class coaches on them all day, every day. So... yeah um but anyway that's one of the reasons why um behavioral support is underutilized but convenience is a big factor and anonymity is another one you know there is um it's 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 embarrassing or you know you don't really want to go back and admit to someone face to face or it's hard to go back to admit to someone face to face that you you either you smoked or you're struggling even a lot of yeah. people just have difficulty admitting you are struggling yeah. if you're pregnant you know if yeah. you're pregnant and you go you, you know you really don't want to go back and admit that you're smoking at that point. So this sense of anonymity that a digital product can provide.
0: Yeah. Can, can so
1: solve t- those convenience and those uh, the anonymity issue.
0: And is it, I look, I'm, I'm not an expert in this area whatsoever, but um, I also use an app um, to track alcoholic drinks. So just logging things, you know, doesn't do anything more than that. It was more out of a desire to try and um, understand how much I was drinking and how that related to the recommended guidelines and, and just right. on on a drink basis. And what, um, and I think that there, there's definitely an aspect where if you are in a situation where you can't admit to having done something because of a stigma or a shame, then there's a risk of you just walking away from the entire effort, you know, because you, you, you sort of, if like, I could, I can see why, so even if i have a target every week of seven drinks for example but i have eight if if i feel embarrassed about logging the eight then i might as well not be doing it in the first place so i can imagine if i had to go and speak to people every week about it and explain maybe a bit like when you go to the gp and they ask you how much you drink and you always go low for example you know a bit like Mm. that i can see that that might be the case yeah exactly um which which alcohol app are you using, by the way? I will tell you. It's called. I've got it right here. There were quite a few, so I just yeah. kind of grabbed one. Let me. I'm just less. It's called less.
1: Just less, not drink
0: less. No, it's just called less. Okay. Um, but it's you know it's it, I, it was a you know first time in a long time that I actually started to really log the drinks. You know, and um, I, it, for me, for me, I find it. it the log, I know that you've written pretty extensively about logging as a feature of smoke-free um, logging cravings and things like that, and so I, yeah, I'm kind of interested in how that works from a behavioural perspective.
1: Yeah, I think well so. Is it because I'm the reason I was asking because I built um, an alcohol reduction app for my PhD that was called Drink Oh, nice. Right. Oh, I sorry. Kind of I can it. I really can up.
0: use that one if you prefer. It's, it's
1: a much better <laughs> app. You, you really <laughs> um, but, Other yeah, apps no, are available. one of the things that's fascinating about alcohol studies is um, is the effect of self-monitoring itself so when you're when you're um, doing an alcohol study you know you'll do screening at baseline to determine the level of drinking that someone has and whether you know they're kind the kind of drinker that you're looking for and they ask this series of 10 questions the the alcohol unit disorders identification test the audit test and um what Numerous studies have found is that simply asking those 10 questions, the screening questions, causes people to reflect on their drinking enough that they then lower their drinking after that, even if they're they're just in the control group. So it's really hard to – it makes alcohol studies quite hard to measure, but it also shows this effect of self-monitoring because I think quite naturally we respond to the things that, that we're monitoring. We're thinking, oh, I've got a target of eight drinks a week. You sort, of, you sort of know where you are to that, so it kind of helps you. Just the monitoring itself helps you change behaviour. The critical thing, is, as you said, is that how how do you deal with um, unsuccessful mm-hmm. goal attempts? Uh, and you know, we should be very careful. We shouldn't call these failures, right? We should. They, right. they are. They are. They are. They are, they are attempts in which you are. You know, you don't hit your goal, and so the, yeah. the, the sort of goal setting literature is fairly clear about this: that goals should be achievable. Um, but fairly difficult. So they yeah. kind of just want to be a little bit out of reach. And the way that we handle that in, in drink less is that, um, if the, um, goal was in within with a margin of error, say 10%, say you're going for, um, say, you know, 10 drinks a week was your target and you actually had 11, we'd kind of ignore that. Um, if you had 12 drinks a week for two weeks in a row, we'd say, oh, maybe, you know, is this the right goal for you? Has that been a difficult period? Have you been to a few different weddings? You know, is there something that could account for that difference? Or do you want to readjust your goal? Yeah. So here, the, the aim there is to sort of make people think, let's, we'll help them set an achievable goal without shaming or, or trying to lower the self-efficacy, which is, of course, critical if we're to make any kind of behavior change attempt. The last thing you want is to make people feel, I can't do this.
0: Yeah, because then they just switch off and they won't use it again. And then they'll kind of ignore it.
1: Yeah, and they'll ignore the problem. Right? They won't, yeah, they they won't exactly. change their behaviour.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, because they've had a bad experience with attempting to change their behaviour. Not just a failure, but a sense of shame that's associated with that failure.
1: And we would rather protect ourselves from that uh, sort of the psychological distress that comes along with feeling Hmm. that we have failed or feeling shame than addressing the far-off potential liver damage or other types of harm that could come from the behavior because this is the you know again when we're talking about health behavior change the problems that we're facing are 10 20 years in the future they're invisible yeah to 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 us today basically yeah so so you you have to kind of you have to it's it's a it's a tricky thing to do as as (laughs) You know, as we've found over the years, because this the maintenance of behaviour is is where the problem lies in yeah. in behaviour change. We're pretty good about getting people to start a new behaviour, but keeping them going is 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 where we need to do the learning and quick
0: so um yeah no i i agree with you so how did you so i know that you're you we we've sort of got in touch via the nhs accelerator program which i know that you were on a few years ago so how did you transition from you know app built sort of out of a master's project you know kind of with some of your mates developers and thank you very much that's all very helpful into you know something that's embedded in the NHS that's that's you know got over 5 million downloads like how what was that sort of process like for you because that's quite a large leap from one to the other
1: it was very gradual um so we we carried on it, we, it was clear that we had something that people liked from the off. I was mm. my aim for the study was 500 participants. I told my supervisor, he laughed at me. He said, you know, that, that was a ridiculous number. What are you thinking? Okay. 50 maybe. Um, we ended up with 26,000.
0: Wow. Just because you put it up on the App Store and it got yeah. downloaded or how?
1: Yeah, it just, we just, we got downloads. Um, you know, wow. we kind of, we knew how to, um, we were good at, you know, getting the app found. Okay. We, we created an app. That that people really liked using, mm. um, and we didn't you know. We, was we, it free, we presumably, as well at the time? Completely free, yeah. Um, no ads or anything like that. So right. developed, you know, a good reputation in the marketplace, and 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 then and um, that led to um a, a link with Professor Robert West at, at UCL, who's okay. um world renowned in this field, and and he, you know, he had there was a PhD going. So I kind of I continued my education. I, I knew from that point that what we had was the opportunity, um, to do some really interesting research here because we had enough users that, that fundamentally what we could do is start to, um, try different behavior change techniques and see what works in this medium. Because in, it's in a, the smoke free app. In the smoke free app. So, so, um, yeah, we can run a lot of randomized control trials or AB tests you know we okay. can run we can do a lot of experimentation um to to kind of to find out not just what behavior change techniques work but what combination and what dose okay. and for whom and at what time mm. you know the, these are the sorts of questions that we need to answer and you know i'm not in any way um well i probably am a bit delusional but um i'm not <laughs> fooling myself that 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 answering those questions to detail is, is not something I'm going to achieve in my lifetime, right. but we need to kind of, that's where we need to get to. We need to sort of work out how, what kind of this person who wants to stop drinking or stop smoking or eat better, they're this kind of person they're at this stage in, in their process, what sort of things do we need to do for them right now? Is that, this because, is where you,
0: you- is that because you believe some of these, some of the, again, well, how you describe it, some of the, the, the techniques or, or um, Yeah, the techniques or, or sort of um, design or however you describe that would be that could be applied to people. Different issues that all relate to self-control or self-regulation, whether it's smoking or eating or exercise. You think there might be some commonalities between between those?
1: Yes, I do. I, I, so I think yeah, there that, that, that a lot of what we're talking about here is self-regulation of one kind, self-control. It's about playing gratification, resisting temptation, but you yourself first. There are some things that cross over between when you look at abstinence um behaviours, you know, like smoking, which is, you know, you, you move into abstinence, alcohol addiction, you move into abstinence. Um, with other types of behaviours, you know, with some alcohol and with food, you look into moderation, so there are techniques that don't translate. But it's actually more thinking about personality types, mm-hmm. ages, um, cultural differences, Right. Um, what, so one of, the, one of the things, one of the work that's emerging, again, largely out of UCL, is this uh, atomizing behavior change into, into different techniques. So thinking, what are the component parts of a behavior change theory? What are the component parts of a, of a, of a behavior change intervention? And how then do we kind of try to measure the effects of those parts individually, individually in combination? So, for example, um, feedback and self-monitoring. Um, or control so my PhD was on control theory really Um, and so we looked at the combination of feedback self-monitoring action planning and goal setting within an intervention Um, but what if you were to say okay well some people need different amounts of feedback or different types of feedback for example some people might want really positive supportive kind of um, you know cheery Right, yeah. and some people may want a bit more of a dower sergeant major. Pull your act together. What are you doing? You know, some people may respond better to that. Yeah, and, and 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 some people may respond well to that kind of feedback at one point, and 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 the same person to to the different kind of feedback at another point. It's mm. a sort, basically what we're talking about here. Fundamentally, is if you had an expert, stop smoking advisor, or alcohol counselor or someone in front of you mm-hmm. who was able to respond to you in that moment and had at yeah. their resource and, and a range of different techniques, what would they say? Right. That's and what trying you're trying to be- get to with digital.
0: Trying as best as you can to create that within a digital platform without that face to face.
1: Yeah. so I think that's the ultimate aim of these behavior change interventions. And you get there by looking at okay, what how what are the component elements of the intervention? And how does that affect this particular group at this particular moment in time? And then, you know, 50 years later, you might end up with something that's, that's halfway there.
0: Okay. So um, just for everyone listening who may not have the app, talk us through someone downloads the app and then what happens. So it's smoke-free. It's on iOS and Android, I've seen. So what happens? Get the app, then what happens? Uh,
1: so a few basic setup questions. Um about number of uh, smoke per day and, and, and quick date that allow us to calculate these um figures so that you land on the, the dashboard and instantly there 's kind of something there about either your quit dates in the future then the countdown to your quit date okay. uh, if, if if your quit date is right now, then we show time smoke free in seconds you know increases in okay. seconds cool. um, and obviously, so there 's kind of something there straight away um then we 've got. Uh, a few other different of uh, those types of feedback mechanisms that I mentioned before, like the money saved cigarettes not smoked um, were, those, were, that, are...
0: sorry, were those features around when you started the app in other in different places or was that was that is it, have you done something there that's sort of a new evolution of of these metrics or however you call yeah. Them, metrics measures
1: yeah so there's a there 's a couple of things mm-hmm. I think that we 've done to add to the um to, to these, to these pre-existing kind of uh, calculator-type things, like I so said, one of them is just understand their importance um, and, and users, uh, and put put those things front and center. Um, the second thing is to understand the gra- the importance of the granularity um, and to show progress. And then there's other things like you know, so if you scroll on the time smoke-free thing, you actually see the total number of seconds. Yeah, which gets to a million, right? Or total number of days or hours. And that you know, those get to big, big numbers number. quite quickly, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and and then there's, you know, we added things such like as the right life regained figure. So okay. one of the things that I um, learned from my studies was that the average smoker who quits at 30 regains about 10 years of life. Wow. And so you can use that figure to work out an approximation of the amount of yeah, on the figure that we work to is for every four days smoke-free, you've regained another day of life. Okay. Now, now obviously we don't, you know, these approximations, but yeah, these. Right. these I mean, it's not a
0: prediction.
1: On, no, um, or a diagnosis, but but <laughs> it's, it's meant to encourage people to give them that sense of what I'm doing is having a positive effect. Mm. Um, and then there are other things that that we've added that were completely, you know, sort of new, like the save up feature. So. The, okay. Um, you can enter things that you'd like to buy yourself with the money okay. saved from not smoking. So, you know, you're a pregnant mother, you can put a pram in there.
0: Right. You know, and, is depending... it in, and is it by the by the very fact of someone putting something in there, does that make it more likely that they will hit that goal because they've kind of set themselves a goal?
1: I mean, we haven't evaluated that in um, in the app itself. It's an interesting question. I think we would expect people to be a little bit more motivated. We expect mm. some people to... Um, you know, to want to go and get their pram or their bike or, or, or whatever. Um, and then we count down though. Again, we count down that we should make a big thing about it. And um, there's a motivation card. So people can put the, the, the most important reason for quitting with a picture. Again, mm-hmm. you know, using pregnant women you can pregnant but they can put a little scan there. Oh, right. um, yeah, so there's constantly reminded of like, this is who I'm doing it for. This is why mm-hmm. I'm doing it. Um, we've got a diary. Okay. um so uh, we prompt people to complete their daily diary every day mm-hmm. um and this uh the purpose of this again is to show progress because um if you're three weeks in and having a particularly severe craving it's very easy to think that nothing much has changed Oh, it's just as bad as it always was i'm, I'm suffering I'm this oh, i'm fed up with this i keep having these cravings i'm oh, sorry i'm just going to go back to smoke right um but if you've got if, you can, if you've can, if you logged your cravings and you've logged their severity and then you can see a little graph on them, you'll be able to spot, actually, no, this is relatively infrequent now. It feels intense. You yeah, know, we're not very, all right, what's biographical memory is not very good. We're not really good at comparing ourselves to previously. So these types of mechanisms help with that. And that, with our, is, that why,
0: is that why you guys encourage people to log the cravings? So Because you, you know that they will get less, so it impri- provides sort of an empirical baseline for people to refer to that, provides further encouragement for them that they're nearing the end of the tunnel sort of thing
1: exactly exactly it's just like you know this is this is what's happening for you you know and this is clear evidence as you say that you know that things are getting better um and similarly on those lines we've got cravings feature that um that allows people to categorize their cravings by by um, how they're feeling what they're doing and who they are with and so that um, over time you can develop just a bit more insight into, oh, you know that bloke Steve. Every time I'm around him, you know I'm always, I always end up looks how many times I crave when I'm around him because he's another smoker. And then just a bit more awareness around cravings allows the smoker to be a bit more prepared to maybe you know stick another patch on when they go and see Steve again, or you know not see Steve for a few weeks, or you know in other way mitigate the the kind of the trigger that might otherwise cause them a problem. Um and then we move into these we've got a couple of um stops making plans within the app. So the idea really with all these tools is to provide a range of of, of things that people who who are looking to quit might benefit from. From the people mm-hmm. who just think, I don't I don't need much support. Just give me just tell me how well, you know, I want to see how time smoke free. That's all they want.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: To the people who want all the you know all the bells and whistles um and and these plans are moving more in that direction so there's our, our daily stock making missions these daily tasks that we did the experiment okay. on and we found that they doubled the user's chance of quitting at three Wait, months so if,
0: if, if you set somebody a task or if they set themselves a task that doubled the chance of them adhering to the quitting program
1: yeah so we set wow. them a task and, and here we're not even measuring whether people did the mission or not, we're simply yeah. looking at whether people were offered the missions. Oh wow! People who were offered the missions were twice as likely to be smoke free at the three month point as people who had used the, the other four features of the app. These what, kind of, mentioned just
0: what, now. what kind of missions are they? So there are
1: um, things about boosting self confidence. Uh, so um, as you get on in your quit, so the week uh, long point, we ask people to sit in a comfy chair and. Uh, Breathe deeply five times in a row, and let a little smile come across your face, and reflect okay. on the. So we're kind of reinforcing the achievement there. There are things, tar- missions where we ask people to research uh, medications, um, things that might work for them. Okay. We ask people to look at um why they might want to stop smoking, to form a list of those types of things. We ask them to form plans. There's a golden rule about not stopping smoking. The it's called "not another puff, no matter what." We get them to repeat that as a mantra. So little, basically, little things that are designed to be five, ten-minute tasks, not not big onerous tasks. Hopefully, rewarding in themselves. People get a little GIF they, if they mark it as complete. They get a nice little funny GIF at the end that feels rewarding. Hopefully, um, and based on different, you know, these different behavior change techniques that are used in face-to-face services. Okay. So this idea. How- that- so go on. i was just going to say this idea that if you were to go and sit down in front of somebody. They always say, oh, this person looks like they're not feeling a little bit, you know, they're feeling low motivation. Let's boost their motivation. We obviously don't know whether someone is feeling low motivation at that point. But we still try to, you know, we work on the basis that they will at some point.
0: So one of the questions I've got about apps in this space, not not necessarily smoke free, but, but apps, apps that, that try and sort of... Um, you know encourage behavior change or nudge behaviour change or in whatever direction that is hopefully for the good for the better of the person but how you know it's a series of quite small things that are introduced you know for example in missions and within the missions there are different types of missions and then there's rewards for doing the missions and the rewards are a particular way and it's quite it's quite detailed it's quite sort of intricate like how how do you work all of that out? I mean, what is the, is there a I mean, I'm not trying to ask for the secret source, but, you know, is there a kind of a, a process that you're following or is it just somewhat iterative or how, how do you develop these things? Um, so
1: with that, there was a, a lot of the missions that came about my thinking about the sorts of pr- plan that I would like to to go through if I okay. was stopping smoking. Um and I sort of went through I you know, I I stopped smoking and I started smoking again. So I put myself through the plan a few different times, N a one type experiments. And then I we 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 put it out there to um to kind of we did a little bit of market research, so we just gave it to a few different people and we saw what they thought of it. At this point we're not looking to see, you know, are these the right sorts of techniques, are they in the right order, um, are they the right number of them? Um, we're just looking to see, okay, this, you know, hopefully this looks like a, it seems on face value to be a a decent enough plan, seems to tick the boxes of the sorts of things that are done in face-to-face. And it makes sense that you'd want to, for example, get people on medications early. So we'll put people on, you know, put on medications earlier than than, than boosting their positivity about how well they've done, you know. So there's a certain obviousness to the plan. And there's a certain amount of just like, you know, hoping that it works um and you know obviously we've got it in a form that that seems to work and and, and what the work that we're doing now is to improve that um iteratively uh but i think in order you know to, that this isn't just about our app and the other things that your um audience could potentially use it with it it's like well look at what the evidence says are there any kind uh, of try and test it open source or publicly available plans that you could maybe adapt um uh, can you put something together that makes logical sense who in this field could you get to to kind of review those for logical consistency or or you know so evidence and then you know put it out there so it's, it is a process that could be followed but yeah it is you know it's quite detailed because you're you're you know you're, you're trying to come up with a plan for people that that makes sense so i think it does take a while
0: yeah, and you know, it's 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 the missions, it's the logging, you know, there's just so many, there's a lot of, of features and all of, and, you know, there's a there's a thinking behind each one and there's a, you know, it's not just the feature, it's how that feature's expressed and how the people interact yeah. with it. So it's just, it's just strikes me as quite, quite intricate. Um, and so the how other, do you, so go on. So the other thing I was just going to say, because the other plan,
1: which is delivered by a chat bot, if um, you've frozen, hopefully you can hear me okay, um, Give him just a minute to. Oh, there he
0: is. He's back. Hello, yeah. David. You cut out for a second there.
1: Sorry about that. Uh, so I was saying that our chatbot, which is the other plan, that that basically delivers um, the standard treatment program, which is what you would get face to face. So there is okay. this program created by the National Centre for Smoking Cessation and Training. So our job was to you know to implement that digitally, which is still has the same issues about how do you make it work in this medium, but at least you're not starting from scratch.
0: Well, let's talk about um, the success of the app and how you judge the success of the app. So it's got over five million downloads, which is obviously a testament in and of itself. I've read some of the reviews they're you know, amazing people rave about it. But but from a, I mean, if you do this from a clinical perspective or from a sort of empirical perspective, how, how do you judge the success of of the app, but also a particular feature? You know, why do you keep something on there? How do you know that that feature works versus not having it or having a different feature?
1: So the the primary outcome measure is effectiveness Uh, measured at different time points, but we're always looking to, um, to do things that improve the effectiveness on the app on the basis that, you know, as long-term strategy, people will gravitate towards things that are more helpful than others. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so a lot of the things that we do are like how how does this improve outcomes at a particular time point? Usually one month because you know we'd like to go for the longer time points, but one month is is sort of allows us to do a few different tests. But there is another you know very important criteria when it comes to the you know small businesses like ours, which is revenue. So we need to find a way of of, of, of ensuring that we've got enough revenue to to, to sustain the business, um, and whilst not compromising effectiveness or compromising integrity because we yeah, can't...
0: I, yeah like driving people towards the premium service you know because you need to generate some revenue when actually that might I don't know that might not necessarily be the best solution for them
1: yeah exactly I mean I think that it I would just refine that a little bit because what we try not to do is use the psychological techniques that that maybe are a manipulative yeah to drive people towards their techniques. What we try to do instead is say, actually, we believe these are the things that are most likely. So we try to have more of a straight up approach to, yeah. um, to, to sales and, and, and try to level with people because that, that trust, when you're, when you're trying to get people to change their behaviour, it's critical that they trust you. If they don't trust you, they're not going to listen to you. So
0: I imagine, or I, don't, I, you know, I can imagine it would be a terrible experience for someone that was involved in a behaviour change app or process and then suddenly halfway through or you know in order to progress that that you know the paywall comes down you know that would probably be an unhelpful situation for that person
1: yeah i think and it's a difficult one because we haven't managed to solve the problem of how to to fund these types of apps you know there's the, the digital therapeutic idea which is which is very interesting but i think that but we also do want users to pay for this i think there is a need with we, because I think that there's a value in paying for the app yourself for amongst the people who can afford it. Um, but I also think that with the smoking in particular it is something that is increasingly found in lower income communities who, you know, you know, the cost of an app is prohibitive, especially yeah. when it doesn't have that kind of reward that smoking would get. So we need to find a way uh, of, co- you know, covering the cost for these low-income people obviously the health benefits are enormous the return on investment is enormous Mm. um so let's
0: let's pick up on that because i know that we talked about that in our in our show planning which is that whether or not the nhs you know before it was already looking at this but potentially particularly now because of covid will there be more investment going into digital replacements for traditional face-to-face therapies such as smoking cessation um you know which you know, obviously a smoking cessation has a hugely valuable impact on health service it's you know the most i think it's like the, the single most important or effective thing that anyone can do to improve their own health you know and, and also for the health service which is why they sort of make it such a priority um is that something that you have had some discussions about what's your view on on that because that might be a, a you know you you one could argue that by providing a free app to people you're you're providing a public service
1: yeah, I think the, because um, obviously what we want to do to get to this goal of having a more effective app, more tailored app, requires a, like a substantial amount of investment. You know, you need it, a lot of people. On, ongoing that. investment, you know, it's not it's not easy. No, exactly. So it's, this is not something that, that, you know, we can fund ourselves. We need support from, well, we need the people that benefit from it to, to, to contribute to it. And mm. if, in in some cases, the people that are benefiting from it are the people in you know, middle to higher incomes that can afford to pay for it. Fantastic, thank you very much. You know that's a great. It's not too expensive for them in terms of the cost of a packet of cigarettes. Sure, um, but it makes a difference for us. But then, like I say, there's you know the prevalence of of smoking in in the in, uh, socioeconomic groups is is much higher than in other groups, and and for them, you know the 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 cost the thirty pound cost of an app um which is the, our premium product and, and 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 more which is you know the where we would end up probably it's just not it's just going to put them off it's going to be a barrier to great yeah. for them yeah. to go i want to use that
0: and also at the same time it's <clears throat> unlikely or impossible if you know within in a post-pandemic world for those people to um that is it's unrealistic to expect them to actually go to a face-to-face service um either so do they, we just give up on, 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 you know, certain groups giving up smoking? I mean, yeah, it doesn't seem to make exactly. sense.
1: Exactly. And I think that you know, what we need to do is we've got to transition to a, a hybrid model of, of, of smoking cessation, behaviour change, and probably all kinds of behaviour change, where um, we're offering a range of tools for people. Uh, and the, 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 the face-to-face tools, the most expensive tools, are reserved for the people who need most help. Yeah, the people that are really struggling the people that can most benefit from that most of us can actually do either the whole thing digitally or a lot of it digitally and then digital can mm-hmm. just be a supplement so um getting from where we are now which is where there is the evidence base for these kinds of treatments is low um and so you know, obviously, we need to build an evidence base around to show that it's effective.
0: Wait, just run me through that because I, you, you said, well, you, the the evidence for their efficacy is low, or what do you mean the evidence base is low?
1: Yeah, so the ev- the overall evidence base for digital interventions is, is not substantial. We haven't got a lot of trials yet. The trials are usually of not great quality, um, and so for you know, there's not if you're a commissioner if you're a health body and you're saying well you know and and actually there's a Cochrane review that just came out recently that that concluded that fundamentally there's not enough evidence for digital interventions out yet and and the body that the kind of produces best practice guidance is saying basically we should consider digital interventions as second line treatments which you go okay you go okay yeah but i kind of get that if the, the first the gold standard is face to face services, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't provide digital services. You you know, you need to provide them in concert with face-to-face services, both to mean, as I've said, that more of the resources you can go and more of the people that need them, or the resources can be spread more widely, or you can just reach people who won't ever go to face to face. Yeah. And and because we've got this mechanism that we can just get people with we can provide a, a valuable service with the core version of the app. Mm. You can just see a time smoke-free. That works, right? That's yeah. a nice little reward. And if that quit attempt isn't successful, then the user will hopefully come back to the app and go, oh, maybe I need a bit more help. Yeah. So we're gradually bringing people into services and, and, and getting them up the care pathway mm. to, to, to kind of the more intensive help that they may need. But obviously, you know, health bodies need to support that, that process because mm. who who's otherwise going to pay for the treatment those people are receiving you know like, as yeah. you said w- we can't afford to do it because it costs us money and, and the user won't, won't prioritize that for very good reasons
0: you know well yeah you yeah, know i i can it would have to come i think from the from you know the nhs or some kind of healthcare organisation's organizations budget so what kind of um what kind of trials do you think need to be done that haven't been done I mean, I think we
1: need to look at, um, we need to do a, a comparative trial of the various different digital solutions that are out there. Okay. Um, that would be well-funded and, and, and most importantly, I think, incentivize for follow-up because okay. the fundamental problem we find with these trials is, is low follow-up rates.
0: What does low follow-up mean in this context? What do you mean? Sorry.
1: What, the numbers do you mean? Or no, no, when you say
0: context? low follow-up, you mean what does that actually mean?
1: In, in, so we're we're looking, you know, so the, the vast majority of people who are part enrolled into the study don't respond to the follow up question. Oh, okay, okay. About smoking okay. status, like right. you know, eighty percent or you know, it can be higher as eighty percent of people don't respond to follow up. So it makes the the findings, you know, not very reliable. Okay. Um. So just, you know, we need to incentivize follow up. We need you know a proper study. We also need to look at studies within populations. Um, and within you know, people with COPD, for example, or pregnant women or, or people with severe mental illness or the other kinds of core issues that people struggle with. Um, mm-hmm. And so that over time, and we just we just need kind of um, health bodies to be a bit more um, adventurous with these types of, yeah. of trials. and to understand what, what kind of trials.
0: What, what kind of pushback or what kind of obstacles have you kind of come across, you know, in your discussions with health bodies, commissioning groups, the NHS, I mean inertia
1: is the big one. Okay, it's really hard to overcome. Um, you know, just the the the, the, the non insignificant obstacles that that are to running these trials. I mean, the NIHR is a fantastic organisation. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, if they were to fund, you know, to put a call out for these kinds of um, trials, that would be that would encourage the, the research teams that are necessary to organise them. I think. Um, So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's non-game piece of work, I I guess. You know, we're not going to get to that evidence base for five or ten years. So it's just thinking about how do we get from here to there? And, you know, countries like Germany, which are being really innovative with their approach towards funding, you know, they've got an independent body that that, that reviews um, the particular intervention for efficacy Ensures that the evidence, the the the, the digital intervention has got that, and then if it meets a certain threshold, will approve that for prescription and reimbursement. And I think we need to start moving to that kind of model.
0: Are there um are there any digital interventions that you know of that have been approved for prescription in the UK? Uh, I think I, I, I think Sleepio might have been.
1: I mean, it's certainly okay. on a trial, but I don't know if it's been approved for prescription. And there are you know, various different bodies that are looking at this the, the EMIS have got an app library and there's other you know yeah. walker who review apps for the health store so we're moving in that direction but you know i, I get i'm naturally impatient so um, <laughs> i'm hoping that we can just you know encourage this along a little bit because it's very needed right it serves a
0: real yeah purpose. well i mean i don't providing services digitally i think everyone within the system understands that that has to happen um but at some point you speak to someone who who controls the purse strings and they compare A with B, and if if there isn't the, if there isn't evidence there, then it's hard. I can see why it's also hard for them, even though it looks great on paper. You know, they they say, "Well, can, all I need is some evidence." But if that doesn't exist, then yes, I can see that that's a problem. So yeah, I can see why evidence generation is a, is a huge priority in this space.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, it will get there, but, but I think that I'm just hoping that that what's happened now is that that we've got a sense of the potential for digital interventions that we didn't really have prior to COVID. There wasn't that. They've been trialled a lot more. People have understood, Okay, it's not as scary to implement these things. They can have a positive effect. We can do it without much negative pushback. And if that is one of the things that comes out of this whole experience, then I think that we'll be in a much better place in the future.
0: Yeah. And smoke freeze blazing the trail.
1: Yeah, well, we, we we hope so. We like to think so. That's where we want to be anyway.
0: Good. Well, look, David, on that note, I want to say thank you very much for coming on. I found the discussion about behaviour change extremely interesting. I think what you guys are doing is, is, is great, is a public service, as I said, and I, I wish you all the best. Hopefully at some point, you know, we can have you back on and, and find out how things are going. But thank you for coming on and thank you to everyone for listening.
1: Thanks very much, yes. It's, it's a great pleasure. I really enjoyed the conversation.
0: Great. i <laughs>